This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Welcome to the Sleeper Hole Podcast, where there is no disqualification on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and we are about to kick off our second series, Behind the Curtain. We're going to dive into some topics about a few things that go on behind the scenes or that most fans don't normally get to be aware of. On this episode, we have my good friend Mickey Thomas joining us as we take you back to this past weekend, where we recorded the interview at the Route 66 Hotel during a charity event to bring awareness for suicide prevention. For all of our listeners, including my fallen angels, just remember that no matter how grim things look, there is hope and there are people who love you and would miss you dearly. I speak of this from the bottom of my heart as I have some personal history with this sensitive topic. There is always someone there for you to help, even if it's just to be a shore to lean on or even a listening ear. Never forget that. And without further ado, Let's kick off the interview with the PWA Hall of Famer, Mickey Thomas. How you doing, Mickey? I'm wonderful. So, basically, before we get ready to start about our actual series, I want to talk a little bit about you, about Mickey Thomas himself. Sure. So, let's break down some things. I remember when I started getting into the independent wrestling world, you were there. You were with the former company, 3CW. I remember right, it was Capital City Championship Wrestling. That's right. Now, what made you decide to go into wrestling? I mean, when I was there, you were already in the tag team and everything else. Right. Uh, No, actually, it was, I don't know, probably 2002, I guess. Probably right around there. So, it was uh, Antoine Archie, actually. Your own partner was, right uh, now in crime. Yeah. Actually, uh, I was just supposed to be a manager. And the way it happened is uh, there wasn't enough guys. So I ended up training to be a wrestler, and then there you go. All right. Now, who, who did you train under? I mean, that's always an important thing is, you know, the trainers, because they help you learn the ropes and everything else, figuratively and literally. Right. Um, originally, it was... Uh, Tony Kendall and uh, Cliff Ham, and then eventually Rip Mystic. So, and we would definitely do know that Rip Mystic is like a legendary icon around this area. And I've already talked; I definitely will be having him in the future. Looking forward to that just as much as I am right now with this situation. Oh yeah, Rip's the Godfather of Central Illinois wrestling. Absolutely. Now, keep going on about you here, real quick. <clears throat> were you always in a tag team? Because when I met you, you were part of the Irish Revolution, and you had Pat McGroin as your manager. Yes, I was always, always tag. Never had a singles run. Did you ever actually hold a singles title or just... No. No singles title, but you guys did hold the tag, oh, if I remember right. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, skip that. I, I, actually, uh, I'm still the reigning UVW heavyweight champion. There you go. And I do remember uh, UVW personally. It's a near and dear to my heart. So, But I do remember that you and Seamus were quite the powerful tag team, and again, you guys had one of the best managers I've ever personally worked around. 
Pat McGroin, he's the one who actually taught me everything I know as a manager, and I kind of molded that into what I do now if I ever do manage. And Pat was very old school, I think. Uh, no better school than that. He uh, was involved with wrestling in the 1970s, you know, into the 1980s when wrestling was at its peak in popularity. So he had a lot of knowledge to bestow on to me and Seamus. So we, we had a, we couldn't ask for a better manager. And there's no way uh, we would ever think about splitting up until we had to. Uh, one of the last matches we had was in honor of Pat after his passing. So and that was very tough. I can imagine a very emotional moment. Um, it's kind of like a few of the people I talked to about the Toga Steve Memorial Tournament, how emotional that was for them. But you guys even had a closer bond with Pat oh, yeah. than those people did with Toga Steve. I mean, Pat was well, almost like a father to you guys when it comes to being uh, in the ring. And something that's a little different, uh, independent level, um, Pat didn't just take on the you know, role of just being our manager in front of the crowd. He took on the role of being our manager with our actual careers. He would um, book us places. Uh, we, we were up north, down south, east, west. We were everywhere, and it, it was all Pat. He would uh, take care of the travel accommodations. He took on the physical role of manager. So pretty much he was not just your stereotypical manager, but he was almost like, for lack of a better phrase, for modern-day terms, the, almost like an advocate like Paul Heyman would be, where yeah. he actually took and stuck his neck out for you guys. Yeah, he, he acted as our magent, per se. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, and as a father guy. figure, yes. Um, he uh, always with us, uh, wrestling, um, our personal lives. He was he was definitely, he was just family. That's what it became, family. Now, one thing also to ask you about, because I know we're talking a little bit about your history, and I'm definitely glad we got to talk about Pat and your title reigns. Mm -hmm. Um I know that you did have some health concerns that did pull you away from being in the ring and having to hang up your boots. Sure. Um, so now you're working behind the scenes more so with PWA, which is why this is perfect for us because we're doing behind the curtain in this series. Which oh, sure. Is about <clears throat> behind the scenes and what people don't normally see or think about in the wrestling world. Right. So what all is your kind of role nowadays for the people? I mean, are you kind of one of those almost better... Like a better phrase, the dusty roads for these young talents where you kind of give them advice and guide them? I am at the training school quite a bit. Uh, you know, the PWA office is right there with the training school. Um, so I work primarily in the office with Antoine. And a lot of the... It's, it's nice for me because a lot of the guys that came up in, you know, throughout my time, some of them are still wrestling, but most of them are all gone now. So it's really nice to be with this whole new crop. And, you know, getting to know these guys and we all become a big family. Well, we call it the PWA family for a reason. Everybody becomes like family. You know, um, you know and it, it gives me the opportunity to see uh, Central Illinois Wrestling go way on beyond from even my time in the ring. You know, so it, for me it's, it's really nice when they come up to me and they say, Mickey, what was it like then? Or you know, or they'll come up to me and they'll say, "Hey, what do you think of this? Can you watch this?" And you know, I'll I'll be right there on the side giving them my opinion. Yeah. And it's got to be kind of almost um, humbling and honoring to know that they want your insight. They want to know what you think of that match, or what do you think of pulling off this type of high spot or something like that, because they know you have the experience. They're not just some guy 
with a vision. No, you've been in it. You know what it feels to take those bumps and bruises. Well, right, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the most perfect. I, I never was. You know, me and Seamus were brawlers our whole time, you know. So a lot of the high spots and flips and all the maneuvers, it just wasn't part of our repertoire. Well, no, but, you're the Irish brawlers. But <laughs> I think one thing that's important, if, if you're involved in wrestling, whether you're behind the scenes, you're a performer, whatever you're doing, first and foremost, you have to be a fan. So I can sit on the outside, watch a match, whether it's things I used to do or not, but I can watch it and I can tell them what I thought I liked or, you know, what I think the people would like. And the beauty part about the shows is being on the outside now, I get to see the reactions. I get to see what things are, you know, rather back when, you know, me and Seamus was a tag team, we'd go out there in front of the crowd. 15 minutes but the rest of the show we were backstage we were in the locker room you can't see anything exactly so it's really nice now kind of good to get that extra look at things that you don't normally get to see i think i've learned more about the wrestling business being in my new role than i would have per se if i was still actively competing wrestling has and this is just a personal uh, thing wrestling helped me through a lot of tough times in life too dealing with you know, family things like that. Now, you know, I just recently lost my mother. Absolutely. And, you know, PWA's here helping me with that. So, I mean, I owe a lot to wrestling, and this is kind of my way to give some back to wrestling, you know. I don't have to get in the middle of the ring, but if I have the opportunity to be there, help, you know, just for moral support for the new guys coming through, hey, I'm more than happy. Absolutely. That's one thing I do definitely want to point out because you kind of hit right on, you know, you talked about how you lost your mom and that PWA, PWA was there for you. People don't realize that about this business. You may dislike each other. You may not be able to stand each other in that ring and everything else, but when push comes to shove, it's a family. There's it a is. family that gets together. If, if somebody's well, to mess with the boys in the back, out in the streets or whatever, whether they have a rivalry or feud or not, those people are going to stand by each other. They're going to help each other out. And that's the sure. beauty of this family. It may be dysfunctional, right. well, but it's a family. It's dysfunctional, but I mean every family, you know, whether brothers, sisters, cousins, you're not going to like every single one of them, but the truth is, you know, they say blood's thicker than water, but see, with the PWA family, obviously we're not blood, but it is thick. Uh, the bonds between everybody's thick. And um, I don't think there's very many um, heat, for lack of a better term, with a lot of the people in PWA, I think everybody pretty much gets along. But, uh, you know, going back to just me recently with everything, you know, I've been going through personally, the, the PWA family's been right there with me, you know, every single day, somebody's calling, texting, coming by the house. You know, it, it's, it really makes you feel that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that care. And I've worked for companies before that would have just tossed you aside and thought, well, when he gets himself fixed, you know, we'll deal with him. That's not like that with PWA. Absolutely, and I completely agree with you. When you have that type of bond, it, it's a oh, gem. Yeah. It's a diamond, and you can't trade that for the world. Now, not to cut this part short, but I definitely want to get on to oh, sure. our series because I think this is sure. a really good one here. We're doing starting the behind this uh, curtain, like I said, where we're going to talk about what goes on behind the scenes or things that the fans don't think about. And to kick off this with the first episode of the Behind the Curtain, I want to talk about paying your dues. When I first started out, I was just supposed to be a manager. So I wasn't even in the ring yet, you know, uh, but I still, you know, help load the ring. And believe me, that is no easy task. And, you know, you take a, a, 
a wrestling ring, there's got to be, I don't know the exact number, but there's well over 100 pieces, and each one of them is heavy. Oh, yes. Even the ropes are heavy, you know, by themselves. So, I mean, loading them in and out of trucks and trailers. Um, and I think that's always the best way to start paying your dues, if it's, even if you're training. Learn how to set up and tear down that ring. And, oh, yeah. I well, know. Back when I had UVW, that was our number one rule for all members of the roster. You're going to be but, here, you're going to help set up, you're going to help tear down. Right, and you know, um, today, things are a lot, you know, it used to be, back when, you know, even I started, the ring was obviously the most important thing. If you didn't have a ring, you didn't have a show. Exactly. And now, it's more sophisticated, because now you have entryways, and lighting rigs, and, you know, it, it takes a lot just to set up before anything even happens. So I think people would have a better appreciation for the show if they actually seen how much work actually gets put into just appearance. Oh, yes. And uh, each guy pitching in, helping out, that's paying your dues. Uh, you have some guys, you know, that's been in here almost 20 years, and they're still in there pitching in just because, you know, it's all about... It's tradition, it's respect. Yeah. So for any new guy that comes in and, you know, they... You know, don't don't want to pitch in for that part. Well, a lot of the older guys around, or I can't say older, but a lot of the, you know, got seasoned, veterans. more seasoned guys. Yeah, they're, um, yeah, they're not going to have much respect for those people because we've all had to do it. There's been times there's only been a skeleton crew of us and have done it. So, yeah, definitely, I, I've been there too. I remember back again with the UVW days where it was just. The administration, that was all that was left, and we were the ones well, taking it And down. I remember several times, um, it was me and Brian Ely at one time, uh, me and Antoine Archie at one time, uh, you know, me and Tony Kendall at one time. And it's like and you said, there's a hundred pieces, give or take. I mean, it, it's not easy. There's so many different no. metal yeah. beams, there's the turnbuckle posts, the ropes. The wood. The wood, the padding. And people don't think about that. I think it's just a simple... Lego build-up, but there's oh, God, so no. many layers. Oh, yes. And I, I, even one thing I always hated trying to do was getting under the ring to tighten up the uh, steel cable yeah. to make sure that those posts don't wiggle on you. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's just so much. I mean, uh, and a lot of people think that those rings are spring-loaded, and they're not. No. It's, it's steel beams and wood. When you, when you take the bump, you uh, feel it. Oh, yeah. I think uh, also a part of paying your dues is uh, that part. You know, guys getting in there, you know, uh, training their butts off. When I first started, it was it wasn't uncommon. You know, me and Seamus, we weren't the most fit guys. We didn't hang out in the gym all day. You know, obviously we we could tell you the best restaurants to go to in every place we went. <laughs> uh, we, we could tell you where the three ninety nine buffet was. You <laughs> Good go. luck finding that anymore. Right, but. Uh, Still, we had something to offer that was different. Uh, today, a lot more focus is on body, you know, um, a lot more focus on, you know, your endurance, which I am totally, totally agreeable on because I think that the more fit, the more better, you know, and part of paying your dues is getting in there and ground for pound, you know. And getting trained by, you know, somebody who knows what they're doing. Absolutely. And I kind of agree with you on all that with it being more fit and more endurance. And I think, you know, like you said, though, people doing the training, paying the dues, taking the bumps, learning how to do things 
right, right is a very important thing. I mean, very important. I remember when I first did my first night of training, it was take a bump. And I was like, well, what's a bump? And it showed me. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I know what that is. I see it on TV all the time. It looks easy. <laughs> Took one bump, and I mean, the wind just came out of me. And the guy goes, you've got to breathe out, didn't you? Yeah. Because you, you don't think about it. Now, if I was to do it, I probably could do it with no problem, but I think my back would yell at me. <laughs> oh, yeah. The biggest part of the wrestling business is not just taking care of yourself. It's taking care of whoever you're working with. Exactly. It's, it's a... It's a Lack of a better phrase, it's a dance. You're telling a story. If you don't, my favorite hero of all time for professional wrestling is Bret Hart. And in history, he's never seriously injured anyone. Why? Because he knew it's not just his body on the line, well, it's the person he's against. And Bret Hart's a good example for this business because it does not take but a very simple little thing to permanently injure you. Bret Hart uh, was unfortunately taken from the business due to a simple kick. You know, and that just shows you how dangerous yeah. this really is. And guys paying their dues, uh, getting in there to learn the basics, you know. And if you know the basics and you got that down pat, which Zero Hype Guy Smith, I've been in there throughout this whole time he's been training. He's, he's doing the summer camp now. I've been in there quite a bit. And he actually, it's a step by step by step. He doesn't, you know, run over anything. He really gets involved with the actual training Absolutely. of this business. I mean, I was there for just that, what, 10, 15 minutes with you that one time when we were just talking for fun, and oh, yeah. watching him, it's like you said, step by step, I mean, there's a lot of mad props to the guy, and it's not just that he's being a drill sergeant barking orders, no, he's right there in there with them. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to make you do something that I don't expect myself to do. I right. have a lot of respect for that. So, But he's one of those guys that has paid his dues, you know, and he even went and paid, you know, some astronomical amount of money at uh, Harley Race's school to be trained. So uh, obviously his credentials are very good. Yes. But he's a guy who I've noticed over the years that, because uh, this is actually the first time we're in the same company. We're both in PWA yeah. now. We've always been kind of in opposing companies at times. But I've, I've obviously seen him and watched the tapes from before. And it's kind of nice that a guy that versatile is being the trainer because if you've noticed him he can do some of the high flying he's done a lot of it before you oh, know yeah. he can do the you know ground for pound brawling you know he's he's very he's very versatile in his abilities exactly he's, he's got the capability to do a lot of things and the knowledge and know-how how to not only do it but to guide someone else to do it and that's a lot of respect for a trainer well i've i've been in there with him not training because i've obviously i'm not in the ring anymore but I've, you know, been on the sidelines and watched a, a whole training session, and, you know, uh, if I was to start over, uh, I would want him there with me, you know, to train me, and unfortunately, I didn't get that opportunity, you know, with him, but, I mean, if I was to tell anybody where to go, where to come through, if you really want to know this business, you know, go through the Pinfall Academy, and not just because I work for PWA now, but just because Guy Smith is a, a heck of a lot better than some of the other guys, which I'm not going to name names and start any controversy. So, like you said, he's got the credentials of Harley Race. That's a very big credential. And going up forward with um, a lot of this stuff, we're talking about paying your dues and anything else. 
I think one thing that's very important for somebody to do to pay their dues is have the research, have the knowledge. You can't just come yeah. in here blindly. You have to kind of know what you're getting well, into. You the have very, to know the history. The very first thing that I do like about Guy Smith, and I don't mean to keep going back to Guy, but but well, I'm not. He's a great example. He is a great example. He um, teaches guys what we call locker room etiquette, and that pretty much uh, is, you know, how we treat each other. Uh, you're going to have guys that you only see maybe, you know, once a month or so on and so forth. Not everybody hangs out at the BWA building, but um, these are the guys that, you know, they come in from out of town, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi Madman, for example. And locker room etiquette is, you know, more than just being cordial. Locker room etiquette goes back to, you know, respect. And I, th- I think it has a lot to do with paying your dues in this business. If you got a new guy that comes in and you got a seasoned guy that comes in, you know, and share a locker room and the new guy just totally, you know, is passe with the seasoned guy, nah, that's disrespectful for one. But paying your dues is showing them respect, uh, you know, especially if you're working with them. Like yeah. That. I mean, they're going to be helping you carry you around everything else, whether it's making you win or lose. And I think it goes to you're going to – Wrestling is the type of industry you get out of it what you put into it. Exactly. And uh, I think if you're more cordial per se, or you know, you you just treat everybody with respect. You know, you're you're really your head's in this. You want to do this. More people are probably more susceptible to come up to you and help you through this. I mean, I've noticed it myself. Even back when I was coming up, there was guys. That one guy in particular, Lucky Dane. Uh, who's now retired, but uh, he's, uh, he also was Irish, wore a kilt to the ring, and he kind of took me and Seamus, you know, under his wing as, un, you know, throughout wrestling. Nice. Because we had Pat on the outside. We were covered with all that. Pat took care of everything for us. But when it come to actually in-ring, we had Lucky Dane. And Lucky, you know, was right there. We went over all kinds of stuff. We'd show up early for shows and go over things. We'd stay after shows before the ring got tore down. Or, luckily enough, back then you had a couple places that they were able to keep the ring up in JW or something. Yeah, or down in CS or SCW. So it, it was nice. And But the reason is is because uh, part of, I think, paying dues is, is we showed the veterans a lot of respect. And then we had Lucky Dane. We had the animals, uh, which you know one of them has since passed. Yeah, and uh, which was very sad because we worked with that man I don't a thousand times. <laughs> but um, we also had uh, Gino Latino, Fatty McNasty. Uh, oh, gee, there's so many. But these are all guys that were by the time we come around, they were in their 40s and 50s. These guys have been doing this 20 plus years, and it's because of the way we came in. It's because of the way you know we'd go up to them. And, uh, you know, like me, for instance, Lucky was playing an Irish guy. You know, well, he is Irish to the core. Me and Seamus were the Irish Revolution. So we went up to him. uh, Lucky, you know, we got some pointers, you know, or, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or he would come up to us eventually after he knew kind of how we were. And he'd be like, "Uh, hey, boys, how about you try this? Or if we just happened to be working with him, it was easy because we we would all conglomerate you know we'd all come together and i think you know the biggest thing i could tell somebody coming up part of paying your dues is you know go to the season guys i mean i know some of them are a little rough around the edges but 
it's wrestling most of them are it's after you know you show how much respect you have for this business that'll open the door for a lot more opportunities especially with the season guys absolutely now one thing i also know for paying your dues that i don't really see it in the independent world as much as you do in the big world like wwe and mm-hmm. and uh tna and all that stuff mm-hmm. are the dark matches or the squash matches and I personally have my pros and cons for and against them. But, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts with those uh, being paying your dues and just the matches in general? Well, I mean, I guess if you have, on the independent level, yes, it is kind of uh, unnecessary. Because on an independent card, I mean, you, if you have, a, like, PWA as a training school... You know, if those guys graduated that training school, then they've worked their butt off and they earn a right to be on the actual program. Yeah. Um, would we ever have a dark match? No. Um, I've seen it to where some independent places do have them, and it's usually the guys who are in the middle of training, but then again, it's usually one of the seasoned guys comes out for two minutes, beats the hell out of them, and that's it. And just to clarify for some of the viewers who, if they don't understand what that is, a dark match is pretty much a match before the actual show. Right. There's no entrance music or anything. It's just coming out right now is XYZ, going against ABC, and then there's your match. And if they're filming it that night, that will not be filmed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing about dark matches. And I think they're good for people who are in the big top of the national TV because it is some exposure. But I think the independent world is unnecessary. It is. It is unnecessary. And personally for me, a squash match, which basically is exactly what it sounds like. You have a new guy coming in to a veteran, and they're getting squashed. They're getting yeah. pummeled. Yeah, I mean, every guy, uh, every rookie, uh, per se, when they're done with their training, they've graduated, they come in, they're probably going to work with a seasoned guy. Now, having a, squash, having a squash match to me is just totally stupid. But Thank you. Because here's, here's the thing. If both of them are in there, they both have abilities, so that's why both of them are in there. Now, if, if one guy, you know, can, you know, work well with the other, you know, a squash match totally, totally eliminates, and I've seen it on the indie circuit, and it just makes makes me mad. I have another word, but I don't want to say it on air. But it just <laughs> makes me mad. Because the reason why is both guys, in my opinion, have worked their butt off to be there. And... If you're doing a squash match, you're just totally just showing the ability of one, and that other guy is pretty much pointless. You could have threw a broomstick in there and had... Absolutely, and that's one thing I've, I've hated about him. I've, I've seen him when I first started my career and everything else with squash matches of, hey, you're going to get squashed by XYZ, and it's like, you've seen this guy train, and, and that's the thing I hate about squash matches is you have that one big guy just beating the heck out of the little guy, and the little guy doesn't even get a chance to make some type of comeback to get the pop from the fans of, hey, it made, he might have a chance. No, they don't even it, give him that moment. It made absolutely no sense to me. Professional wrestling, it's a two-way dance, you know. It takes both both competitors to make it work. And I think when one takes advantage of the other, it's just... That's not paying your dues. That's what you call just... It's sad. And, you know, the closest thing I've seen to where it's a squash match but not a squash match on the big scale would be, you know, one of my other favorites, Zack Ryder, where they just, they pummel him, they beat him up, but they give him a fighting chance. And why? Because they give him that small time to shine to get the fans rallied behind him. 
Yeah. That type of match, I'm okay with. But when you don't even give the guy a chance to show what he can do, what's the point of having him? I mean, what else would you advise to a lot of the listeners or any of the aspiring people what it would mean to pay your dues? Well, outside of, you know, for one, you have to find uh, a good place with credentials to even begin your process into getting into this industry. Once you do that, put your heart and soul into it. If you don't have enough time for it, by all means, don't do it. Because this is something that I think... When you're actually getting into it, you know, hold it sacred. You know, um, learn anything you can. Learn anything and everything you can. Pay attention. Pay attention. That's like the number one thing. Pay attention. Because a lot of guys do everything, you know, halfway. And that that leads to where, yeah, you're not going to turn out too good. But when you get into school, by all means, go through finish up, listen to every, and some places, even the Pinfall Academy, you've got several different trainers. Each one of them have a unique perspective on this business. Uh, Guy Smith has one. Um, you know, guys like Brian Ely or anybody else that everybody, I even have a different perspective of this industry. Listen to every single one of them. If somebody offers you advice, for one, in the wrestling business, if somebody's offering advice, by all means take it, because not every guy's like that. Some guys you really got to get to know before they'll even warm up to you enough to give you advice. So when guys do, and you know, PWA is not like that. All the seasoned guys there, they're right there with uh, you know all the rookies when they come out or trainees before they even come out. But part of paying your dues while you're in the school is you are the production people. You are the ones who set up the ring. You, you set up the stage. You, you know, get the locker room situated. You tug around the waters for the guys. You oh, know. yeah. You do all the grunt work. I mean, okay, like today to now, uh, present day, just to put on a show, you got to put that ring together. you got to put that stage together. The guy behind the curtain, which is Jason Kluge, the music guy, He's got a huge setup in the back. So many wires. It's got to be put together. The lighting rig for the entryway has got to be wired up and sent to him. Uh, you know, the locker room area, I mean, granted, it's just a locker room, but you got to make sure there's waters and everything back there for the guys, you know. And that is all the trainees. That's a part of paying your dues. We've all been there. If you're going to get into this business, by all means, be dedicated. Yes. Don't get into this and think you're going to, you know, just do it halfway and, and you know, you're going to make something good out of it because you're not. You know, it, that, that's the best advice I think I can give to anybody. And once you reach that point, you know, you start actually physically working, you know, the shows or maybe the, some of the, because lately a lot of the season guys even been showing up to the academy to work with the trainees. So just pay attention, you know, do what you can, be dedicated. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap all this up, because I know one thing I'm going to do here on this episode, because you know we have the pay-per-view coming up here soon, Battleground, mm-hmm. I want to get people's predictions, some of the fans we have in this area, uh, the Route 66 Hotel and everything else. So let's go ahead and get you first. I mean, sure. let's start off, Cena and Owens. Who, who are you rooting for and why? Well, I guess I'm not really... Partially, either one. Uh, Cena's a guy that I, I do have respect for him. He's he's been around a long time. Uh, people don't realize really how long he's been around. 
but uh, I think like late 2002. Yeah. So I mean, sure, he's, you know, he's been around as long as I have with wrestling. But uh, Owens, I think, is a nice up and comer. I like, you know, the way things are going with him. So I, I'm gonna have to go with Owens on that. Okay. You got the Intercontinental Title with The Miz, Big Show, and Ryback. Yeah, and you know, I'm not very well. The Miz is one thing. I'm not very. I don't know. As a fan, the things they've done with you know Big Show and Ryback is. Just, to me, but then again, it's not for me to understand. I guess, you know, the big leagues, they know what they're doing. <laughs> I do think that title has been kind of, you know... It's been tarnished a bit. Yeah, I just... I, it, it doesn't have the credential it used to. No, it but was very illustrious I guess right back, you know, he, he, fans get behind him, so hey, why not? All right. <clears throat> now we've got the powerhouse of Roman Reigns against the self-proclaimed face of fear, or new face of fear, rather... Um, Bray Wyatt. Hey, I'm a Bray Wyatt fan. Going for Wyatt? Oh, yeah. All right, and of course, the only other one that they've really announced is the one that everybody's looking forward to, Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar. Uh, you know, that's that's just... <laughs> I don't know if I have an opinion on that one, really, because it's like, you know, them two have, I guess, been pushed to the limits when it comes to the big leagues. And one of them may be deservingly so. The other one may be not deservingly so. So, it's it's a tough call. I guess if I... I feel that it'll go towards Lesnar. That's, that's, that's... I mean, I it's... You know, when you're a fan and you've watched for so long, you get instincts and your instinct just tells you, yep, this is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> Mickey, thank you so much for your time. Thank you oh, for being no. part of our show. Oh, yeah. You know, definitely looking forward to future episodes with you and the rest of your crew. And Oh, yeah. Now we're going to definitely check out what everybody else's predictions are for this upcoming Battlegrounds and see who's right and who messes the call. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and gather up some predictions. You got Cena versus Owens in the what they call rubber match for the U.S. title. I'm going to have to go with Owens on that. Of course, Owens. He's the dude. Uh... Probably Owens. I mean, he, he took Cena apart that first time they met. All right. And then after that, you have the IC title, Big Show, Miz, or Ryback. Well, Ryback just recently got the Intercontinental title. I don't expect them to take it off him that soon. So I would say probably Ryback somehow. It's probably going to be some kind of fluked ending, though. Uh, I'll go with Ryback. Oh, definitely. Um, I got to go with the Miz right now just because I don't want it to be Ryback, and I certainly don't want it to be Big Show. All right, then we got Wyatt versus Reigns, the mind games. Um, I do like the shield, but I got to go with Bray. He has a special place in my heart. Yeah, I've never been a fan of mind games. Uh, let Reigns have that one. Bray Wyatt. And then, of course, everybody's looking forward to the big championship, Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, we know personally that Lesnar would normally take uh, Rollins apart, but if he's got any help from J&J Security or Kane, then that's probably going to shift the things back in Rollins' favor. So going with Rollins? Yeah, unfortunately. There you go. I'm pulling for Lesnar. If nothing uh, trippy goes down, it should probably end up being Seth Rollins, but you know... In the end, Authority could screw Seth Rollins. I'm thinking that might happen. Just, you know, plot twist. So, hoping Seth Rollins. 
All right, so before we wrap this up, we just got to hear a few predictions from a few of our fans. I'm going to go ahead and throw mine out here real quick just so we can get this all wrapped up. Cena versus Owens. I'm definitely going to be a Cena fan. The guy has earned my respect. He's been around for quite a while. And, you know, I really like He's a genuine guy in my book. As for Owens, he rubs me off the wrong way. And it, it may take time, but he may become somebody I like down the road. I've had plenty of other talent do that where I didn't like him at first and then I began to like them. Who knows? But for right now, I'm rooting for Cena on that rubber match for the U.S. title. I see title. We have Ryback versus Big Show versus Miz in a triple threat match. If the Big Show is back to how he used to be, you know, the goofy, the funny guy, the one that was really the fan favorite, I'd say probably go for Big Show. But right now, with how things stand, I think the big guy is going to keep it. He's been hungry, he's earned it, and I can't see them taking it away from him so easily. Then you have Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns. Bray Wyatt's finally finding his niche, his gimmick that's going to work and I can actually get behind. But it's a little too late for right now, and I'm going to have to go with Roman Reigns on this one. Besides, somehow Roman Reigns was on the top of the world, and somebody somewhere decided to knock him down several pegs and make him back to what I feel is like a mid-card slot, even though he's earned, and I stress earned, his way to being a you know main event player and everything else. He should have won the WrestleMania. He should have been the big name, but he got knocked back, and I think that's a real shame. Sheamus versus Orton. I got to go with the older veteran Orton on here. He's very talented. He's great personality, and he doesn't look goofy with the mohawk. Sorry, Sheamus. You're a good superstar, but yeah, you just became a ridiculous heel. You're not pulling off the heel bit real well. Tag team match. I've always been a fan of tag teams. You have the New Day, two of the three members against primetime players. As much potential as the New Day has, they don't have the it factor like I was hoping they would have. Net and also Xavier Woods is very annoying when he yells all over the place. I'm going to have to go with primetime players on this one. Um, hopefully, after they win this match, they can give fair people a challenge like the Lucha Dragons who I think are really deserving of a title shot the kickoff match King Barrett versus King What's Up R-Truth needless to say R-Truth entertains me point blank I'm rooting for King What's Up now the main event Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the WWE heavyweight title this is a tricky one for me guys I'm not going to lie I'm kind of torn. Brock Lesnar, he uh, doesn't show up all the time. He's only you know, there only maybe once in a blue moon. Not that frequent, even though he's being more frequent right now as a challenger. Seth Rollins, he's an annoying closet champion. And I can't stand closet champions. Personally, what I'm hoping to happen is Brock Lesnar wins because he's secretly the authority's plan B, or in this case, plan C. And Seth Rollins loses the title and gets screwed over by the Authority. And we see a feud of Authority versus Seth Rollins while the former S.H.I.E.L.D. brothers just sit back and laugh at him for, see, you screwed us over and karma bit you right back in the butt. So there's my predictions for Battleground 2015. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Hopefully we'll also have an announcement come SmackDown about this new Divas hype where we had now three teams of three different girls on each team. It looks like it's going to be freaking awesome. 
Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com to comment on episodes, read our blog, for information about the quarterly charity, and more. See you in two weeks.